Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, Chula Comedy is here to talk about their meat cute waffles, answering questions about their history with making food, the events that they've attended, and whether or not folks would prefer to keep their foreskin on their food. <laughs> So yeah, before we start recording, and I want to mention this, yeah, we did meet in real life. Did you think I'm that we did? Sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> that's okay. That's fine. That's totally fine. Because like, why would you? I mean, you go to a lot of events, and you probably meet a lot of people at these events, so it's totally understandable to not even remember who you meet, My right? Apologies. Ah, uh, no worries, no worries. And I, the the, the stash is new, so it's probably that when, when we have <laughs> full beard. So. I mentioned this before we were recording that uh, one year ago today, at the time of the recording, at the time of the recording, it's November 13th, and we met at, uh, well, I went to the Iron Bark anniversary event uh, last year, which was Renaissance Fair themed, and there was a vendor who had, who, who was selling penis waffles. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> they are I, I, I wanted them just because they were penis. I mean, the, the novelty of having penis waffles alone is really great. I'm a big fan of waffles, and so having a penis-shaped waffle is pretty fantastic, so I had to go get one. They are incredibly delicious. They are really good uh, penis waffles. They're, they're good waffles in general. Like, I have had waffles all over the place, and a lot of times I'm very... <laughs> I'm not that critical of waffles, because a lot of times you can't get a waffle wrong. But there are some waffles that are just so good, and you're definitely one of the top waffles I've had. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, I, I have a passion for waffles. Always have, actually. I never really started um, executing it, I guess, until... Well, I actually used to throw penis uh, regular waffle parties uh, in grad school, like in 2006. And I would invite, like, I had this Facebook group called... Um, Feminist fat filmmaker waffles. <laughs> it's like fat waffle, something like that. Like about fat, not fat feminist, but like big fat filmmaker. I don't know. It was like a bunch of Fs, ironically, and because of the feminist. And I used to have pretty cool people on my group. Like, because I, I went to school in upstate New York. So for my master's program, I have an MFA in art. So I guess. When I moved to D.C., there was, like, no real way to kind of hang out with my old um, graduate school buddies, except for to have brunches. And I was living in D.C., and brunch is a big thing in D.C., so I invited some of my girlfriends that were filmmakers over to my house that I used to live in Arlington, Virginia, and we had waffles, and I actually went all out for that brunch and I made like I, I got sliced almonds I got um you know all the kind of syrups that I could find I remember back then I used to have blueberry syrup and strawberry syrup I found this little container with like four different types of syrups and so it really inspired me to have more variety so I went all out I got like um different flowers as well because some of my friends are vegan so it was just like a nice um waffle event that I used to throw in my regular apartment. And then when I moved here to LA, um, I moved to Hawaii after, and then I moved to LA in 2000, 
14, I moved here and then I started hanging out with a bunch of comedians and then I became a comedian. And then that's how I met, um, FIF comedy, which is run by a really cool comedian lady named, um, uh, God, I'm blanking out on her name. It's okay. Names are tricky. And I'm, I'm, be, I'm saying that sincerely because I always think <laughs> Mistress K, Mistress K. So Mistress K introduced me to Kat, who owns Iron Bark Cider Works. And she, we were going to do an event there, but I was very, very new last year. Um, and I actually wasn't ready to sell penis waffles. Like, it was, like, my very first time. So Kat invited me, because I, I couldn't make it. It was, like, really late. For me. Is that my beeper? Oh, hold on. Sorry. That is weird. I had a timer instead of stopwatch. That is very strange. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Heads up to Angie. Uh, feel free to delete that part out. Uh, <laughs> uh, proceed. You met met with Kat at Ironbark? So Kat um, brought me over to um, Ironbark on a day that, you know, to kind of make up for the day that I couldn't go the first time when I was first invited and, and um um cat produces a lot of really cool comedy shows that are feminist so she thought that me and her and cat would make a great trio a team if you will um but i was very disorganized i was very new i didn't even have oops one oh my god oh so sorry that's okay oh, apparently my DoorDash guy is here and <laughs> i gave him all the instructions and of course he dares to call so what is wrong That's with totally him? Fine. Is, that, is that cool if we leave this in the recording because i i doordash yes <laughs> yeah this guy's weird so sorry there's a password in the i clave yeah there's a password for the door yes I was on a call. Oh, Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Right. Oh my god. Sorry about that. Oh no, he was no. Supposed to I use the password. I would absolutely love to leave this in the recording because I think that we've all had this kind of situation, especially during the pandemic, ordering food. <laughs> How do I turn off my calls? Oh, do not disturb. Hold on. Yeah, I have it on personal. Nobody will disturb you now. I feel like there's been so many. There's been so many times where I've told like the person delivering food to just leave it on the chair, and they still ring the doorbell. I'm like, no. Literally, it's leave on the door, and it was he wasn't supposed to call the call, but anyway. Um. Yeah. I forgot. So anyway, I went to. Or are we starting over? What are we doing? No, no, we're good. We can keep going. You said uh, you were going to make okay. a video with Kat and uh, Mrs. Kate? Yeah. So Kat invited me over, and she had an event. I'm not sure if it was this one particularly, but it was, uh, I think it was, uh, might have been the Renaissance. I don't know. But I sold, like, hundreds of dollars of waffles <laughs> in one day. It was, like, maybe $250 at first which was the most I've ever done. I had a line, people were interested. Um, and then uh, the next time she invited me over to the Renaissance party, which was a huge hit, which is probably where I met you. 
and yeah, by then I was very comfortable with the space and I knew how to move around and navigate everything. And so, yeah, you know, it was just a sort of serendipitous that I met um, Mistress K. But Mistress K kind of like, we didn't have a fallout or anything, but she wanted me to do something over here in Hollywood. But she didn't, she would, she wouldn't really tell the business owners that I was um, coming. Like it was kind of weird. So except for Kat, she knew that I was coming and she was totally cool about it right away. But some of these other business owners that uh, my friend works with, um, Mistress K, some of these club owners, they were not prepared for penis waffles. And some of them are misogynist and they didn't really want to have penis waffles at their place. It confused them and they were just tripping and even female owned spaces, which is so weird. So um yeah it was, it was yeah what's that it term was, internalized was misogyny pardon what's that term internalized misogyny yeah internalized misogyny so like just women that you know still hold the 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 value they have no agency for themselves outside of the patriarchy so and that's one of my slogans actually it's called eat the patriarchy good <laughs> it's yes it's, it's interesting because as I was uh, uh, writing the questions for this interview, I was looking at all of your stuff. I was looking at your link tree. And one thing I really thought was really fantastic was all of so many links that are towards progressive ideals and progressive ideas. Uh, all, of, all of the links that help people do stuff was fantastic. Helping people become substitute teacher, helping people become a U.S. citizen, helping people. It, it's the list kept going. And as. <laughs> As progressive as I am, it's just and find out that you're like this hardcore feminist. I'm like, God, this you, all of the cool things that make you you is just making the waffles even that more delicious for me. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah, I always. I don't want to eat a waffle this. that's been made by. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't. I don't want to eat a waffle that's made by misogynists. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> definitely not and it's funny because it attracts like really weird misogynists that's why I was a little bit scared to talk to you I was like oh my god what what kind of guy is this is he like not woke <laughs> like I need guys that are woke around me because you really do and it's funny because Ironbark has a really cool educated class of women that are there because of the Claremont Colleges the Claremont colleges are nearby Iron Bark. So it's like the oldest, coolest feminist colleges of Southern California and really probably all of California because there's so many colleges. But bottom line, um, yeah, I think that's why my penis waffles are a hit in Claremont. They're a hit in that space that's run by a woman. And then I'm collaborating again with um, Mistress K. So we're going to be back on the 19th. And I'll be selling penis waffles again at the Iron Bark. I saw that ad and I was like, "Oh, I think I, I think I could show up on the 19th. I want one of the oh, Yeah, please do. I'd love to see you again. Um, we'll laugh this whole thing off and we'll be like, "Okay, now I for sure know you." <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy. I mean, if I met you at the Renaissance, I definitely don't remember you because it was like I sold like five hundred dollars worth of penis waffles that day. So it was just insane. It was packed. Um, everybody was like ordering custom orders. And I was just like, ah, 
by myself. I did that by myself. It was the most I ever sold at the Renaissance event. I wish I they had another one. I think I wasn't the one who actually bought the waffles. I think because I was sitting at the table and my friend bought the waffles. And then afterwards, I was eating it. And I was like, this is a really good waffle. And I had to go over and just compliment you on the amazing waffle because I was just really, I don't want to say shocked, but you, you know when you when you eat something that you generally just enjoy thoroughly, but then you find that one that just has a surprising thing that just changed <laughs> your mind where you're like, I need to compliment the chef. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I love pancakes. I love waffles my whole life. I felt like they're kind of like comfort food. Um, my mom's love language is cooking. So I actually was told my whole life that I wasn't a great chef, which is funny. And I actually, now my my sisters and my nieces are like, oh, Zola makes the best breakfast. And I guess because they told me so much that I was a terrible cook, I I became really good at American foods. And my mom makes the best Mexican foods in the house. Of course, I can't compete with her. But she wasn't really good at the American foods. And the kids, you know, were growing up Mexican-American and in and, and Inland Empire. I, I went to San Bernardino High School and all that. So we lived in San Bernardino for quite a long time um, in our younger, like our formative years of high school and stuff. We lived there like 10 years. So I kind of like, when my, my oldest sister moved out, she went to like Orange County or something um, to work at an airport. I became like the oldest sister. So I started having to cook breakfast for my brothers and sisters. And I think I had like three siblings left. Um, and my brother and sister were little. They were like five and seven or something like that. So they love my breakfasts, you know. <laughs> and then I was working at Sonic. So I would use my paycheck to make, to buy the um, batter and whatnot. But what's, what my favorite of all is buttermilk pancakes. So when I bought this um, flour for the meat cute waffles, um, I decided to get, you know, um, buttermilk batter because everything tastes better with butter. And I think that's what makes the waffles extra delicious because <laughs> I always buy the buttermilk batter. <laughs> I am I am I am a believer now. I'm a convert. I'm a, I'm a penis waffle con convert. <laughs> um. So it's interesting because you were saying that you lived in D.C., you lived on the East Coast, you lived in Hawaii, uh, the Inland Empire. Um, that's a lot of, I'm because I'm, like I know when you're in like the Southern California area, there's a lot of different flavors that people like. Um, mm -hmm. When I think about like, because you said you had blueberry syrup and I was like, oh, how about boysenberry syrup? And I'm thinking of like. Damn, mm -hmm. does do people in other parts of the country also like boysenberry as much? Because like I I know we've got not oh for sure right East Coast. What was that? East Coast for sure. In Hawaii, oh. we have this syrup called lilikoi, and it's passion fruit, and it's the best. And they make there's this um, pancake house over there in Kaneohe called Cinnamons, and they actually offer lilikoi pancakes, and they put it over like the syrup over red velvet pancakes. Which are amazing. I should have red velvet penises, actually. People love red velvet. Yes, we do. <laughs> I, I, I am people. <laughs> I love red velvet, too, actually. And I've been forgetting. I just, I've been trying to just sort of launching the business. I'm still in the startup phase. And, like, I usually come out here into Hollywood. And I live Hollywood proper. So it's, it's a little hard for me to go out to Claremont. But um, I will come out anytime they invite me, for sure. Because that is a really great community for me to sell penis waffles in. 
it's it's profitable. <laughs> and Hollywood is like a little bit more like the parking is so difficult here. So like people are always worried about parking. So they, they let's say they if they're going to spend time at a place, they'll get an Uber. They'll come in and out, but they don't really like hang out. Whereas Iron Bark has such great parking. It's in a secluded area. You know, people um, just hang out longer longer periods of time because there's not a lot of great amazing bars like hers she's she's kind of like one of a kind in all of claremont i i know how you feel i mean no let me (laughs) me backtrack that because i was gonna say i know how you feel about about you don't know if someone's gonna be a misogynist or someone's gonna be a dick uh Mm -hmm. when you work with them and then they surprise you and you're like ah damn it um (laughs) and i was gonna say i know how you feel but you know from being a white cisgender heterosexual guy, I don't know how you feel because a lot of times mm-hmm. guys are going to be like the, the, not the bullshit bro code nonsense. But I'm just wondering how the people, cause you said you, you, you've worked with people where you're, you find out that they're massages. I'm like, that must suck. <laughs> like how they reveal themselves to be a dick. Well, you know, shit happens. I've worked at a police department before I've worked oh. at Spectrum. <laughs> Some Santa of them toxic. Masculinity places. Yeah, I used to do IT um, for a living. So I'm I'm older. I'm like 47. So I've lived many lives. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived. Well, first of all, my dad was a farm worker, so we traveled from K through 12. I went to 15 different schools, not including universities. That was just from being a migrant farm worker daughter. And uh, we lived in, I was born in Salinas, we moved to Calexico, we moved to Imperial County, we moved to Mexicali, which is a Mexican town, we moved to San Bernardino, we lived in Rialto at one point, um, and then sometimes every three months I changed schools. So it was just my mom and my dad, like, they were weird, you know, they just followed the crops or whatever, so they would pull us out of school, and luckily I didn't um, ever get behind academically in school none of us did we were pretty smart kids and we were able to handle it and we graduated all on time and everybody was fine um I think my dad just never loved drugs like he hated if anybody like did drugs he kept them away from us um even drinkers like he didn't like anybody doing anything bad around us so we were very sheltered growing up and stuff and then finally I I guess my parents divorced when I was 12 so then we were kind of like on our own and able to do like more things because my dad wasn't around <laughs> to like make us work. So we became more like independent. And I, like I said, I became like kind of like the second mom at the house. And then I started making breakfasts for my brothers and sisters. And I kind of just experimented what they liked. Boy, you know, the kids loved American food. So I would make them pancakes all the time. And then I dreamed of having a waffle maker because like, I love going to like Denny's and or IHOP or whatever and ordering the Belgian waffle. Like it was like, it was not something in our household because we never had one. Like we were poor, like on welfare and stuff. So for us, poor Mexican kids in the, in the empire, like we had no um, access to a lot of things that, you know, a lot of middle-class kids had. So even though now we're like a middle-class Mexican American family and stuff like that, um, we weren't growing up and it was rough, but, um, you know, we were never totally unhappy, I guess, you know, we, we just made with what was due. So we made, I made, I perfected the very thick pancake. 
And sometimes I would let the kids, you know, cut them into pieces and build forts and stuff like that. Um, it was cool, but I don't have any hatred towards white people. Like I feel like, I mean, I'm 50% um, colonizer, if you will. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm Mexican, <laughs> you know, I have like 8% African. I have like 1% Chinese, 1% um, Ashkenazi Jew. I have um, 20% or 40% indigenous, which is really great. Um, I can't wait to see Wakanda. And so I think there's this new, like, indigenous reawakening for a lot of us that are Mexican-Americans, and we're trying to decolonize and stuff like that. But I, I'm trying to get more woke, but, but with less hatred. Like, I don't have any hatred for anybody that's currently alive that's Caucasian or whatever. Like, I don't have any hatred for them. If they have hatred for me, oh, shit. Well, I'll get Mexican real fast, you know, <laughs> and I'll put those Karens in their place. But for people that are just, like, I went to college, you know, I went to, I got a bachelor's at UCSD and then I got a master's in upstate New York. So I worked with a lot of white people and white people helped me. They get, helped me get scholarships. They helped me fill out the paperwork. They helped me get fellowships and funding. So I have no hatred, um, you know, for anybody white, um, or black or whatever. Like I'm very grateful to everybody that helped me, you know, like, America is a community filled with like everybody. And obviously we're going to have some jackasses. Like we have murderers, you know, we have crazy people, um, but not everybody in the university context is crazy. You know, that even if you're a little crazy, you'll go get mental health. Like, you know, there's, there's opportunities in universities. And, and I remember living for many years, eight years that I went to college, like with some professionals of all shapes, sizes, colors, people, you know, and so it's like, I don't have, I'm I'm grateful and, and actually I was considering going back to UCLA or um to get actually a teaching credential maybe. But, you know, <laughs> I have to launch this business first and then with the money I'll go back to college. I did okay. see your art exhibit, the turnstile one. Oh, okay, yeah. Like I said, I looked at all your links project. and that was on YouTube and as a a fan of art, uh I had to go check that out and that was pretty awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of years of work. Um, my boyfriend at the time was an engineer, so he and I built it. And he was a mechanical engineer from because my school was an engineer, engineering school. So I had a lot of smart guys around me that helped me um, create that project. Even a couple of um, classmates gave me some of the best ideas for that. You know, that were, there were men. So like men happen to have the knowledge that, you know, we need. And like I said, I don't hate men. I don't hate white men. And I'll give you credit where credit is due, you know, as long as you don't get mad at me or anything. <laughs> I'll still offer you a hug even if you're mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's um, I feel like being woke or being pro progressive, I don't think it's necessarily having a hate for people who are privileged. It's just uh, having mm -hmm. a, I don't want to say hate. I don't want to say hate, but just being aware that uh, there are privileged folks who, are who refuse to acknowledge their privilege and that yeah that. Uh, yeah there's a lot of people that, um, i i have privilege too as a mexican-american that is white presenting and you know there's brown indigenous people that get put down every single day just for being brown by white mexicans so there's a lot of like injustice in this world i feel like we shouldn't like uh allow us to feel like the world is ending because of it like i think 
there's hope and there's beauty and there's miracles, you know, and my dad, I used to ask my dad for his Facebook page. I said, dad, I'm filling out your Facebook page. And, um, before he passed away, I wanted to put all his, you know, populate his Facebook. He was dying of cancer or whatever in Hawaii. And I said, dad, are you religious? <laughs> Cause you know, we grew up Catholic and stuff, but we're, we're kind of like non-practicing kind of like lazy Catholics. We don't really go to church very much. Like we're, we're just kind of like, we're Catholic because we're culturally Catholic you know, we're Mexican. But anyway, so I asked my dad, I said, dad, um, uh, you know, do you, are you like religious? What's your religion? He's like, mm, don't put a religion there. He said, but just like he, he actually, he didn't want to say, he didn't say, don't put a religion there. He just didn't want to say whether he was Catholic or not, even though we went to Catholic church every Sunday. And he just said, well, for me, I guess I do believe in miracles. <laughs> And that was it. That was all like that. That's, that was his only statement about religion. And um, I think that's the thing is that if you if you get so caught up in the woke mob or whatever, you could get caught up. And there is a mob, actually, that's woke and they are crazy and they'll do anything to be in the middle of a protest, you know, even leave us there with like rubber bullets facing at us. And there's, they don't know how to organize protests anymore. Like when I was young, we had Battle of Seattle. Our anarchist punks knew how to organize protests before these events. There was a lot of consensus. There was a lot of conversation. Um, you know, a lot of people think that anarchy is chaos, and it's actually the total opposite. Anarchy is only chaos because it's fully democratic, meaning everybody in the circle, everybody in the space has to come to a consensus. So democracy can take forever. Because you've got to convince everybody that's going to be in the protest to agree to these terms, you know, and they do like the little jingles with their hands and stuff like that. There's all these signals to communicate. And this, like, I went to the Black Lives Matter protest and it was just so poorly organized. And I know the organizer and she just left us there with the, with the Sheriff Villanueva pointing rubber bullets at me. And then later she invited us to go to this, um, oh, well, I shouldn't talk about that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be really, really hard. You can go into the rabbit hole and the specifics of every protest and stuff like that. And I've been through so many. Um, I started out like my career in the communications department that was founded by activists. Um, at one point, um, they created our department as an alternative to mainstream media um, at UC San Diego, and it used to be called Lumumba Zapata. And the students um, voted um, who was going to be the professors, and one of the professors that was um, voted on was um, Dee Dee Halleck, who was hired by Dan Helen at the time's famous communicologists, and she's considered the grandmother of community media in New York. And so she... I kind of like, because I used to fix computers, she wasn't very good with computers and she felt like she was on the other side of the digital divide as an elderly white woman. So she took me under her wing and flew me to New York in 1999 to fix her computers in New York and give her software. So I had all this access to software and I gave her tons of software and then she flew me to New York and I, I installed software all over her computers um, at this a very progressive space called... Um, the Musto building on Bleecker and Lafayette, it's no longer existing. But for many, many years, it was like 
there the, there was an office next to us that was like communist and socialist and I was like always afraid of like going in they're like come in and I'm like no I'm good and they're like sign your name in in the um you know there was like a registration sheet right there and I was like mm, no I'm good like I never wanted to sign anything that said I was a communist like I was so <laughs> scared of it you know but I mean because of you know the McCarthyism and stuff like that but uh, I would you know, help them out with their computers, I think. Um, no, I didn't actually have to help them because they were a different department. So I would just pay, help out Paper Tiger and I would help, help out Deep Dish TV, which is what my, my professor owned, Deep Dish TV, which is the oldest um, satellite network. And it was the very first network to provide access to the world with Democracy Now! So if, you, if you're a fan of Democracy Now!, Democracy Now! very first aired on Deep Dish Television. That's rad. Yeah. And then Paper Tiger is the production company that creates other films like documentaries, pieces, um, shorts and long forms. And they also educated New York City kids how to create their own content and document, you know, like their life, like summers in New York, breaking down those, um, you know, those water thingies that spray water fire extinguisher. I don't know what you call those. Fire you know Fire hydrants, yeah. Oh. So there's a lot of cool videos of young New York kids playing by the fire hydrant in the 70s. And, like, they've been documenting New York City, li like, urban life for years. They have an amazing archive of beta Betamax tapes all over. And I don't know where all that stuff is. I think Dee Dee might have it because she was also the co-founder of Paper Tiger t Television. Um, so, yeah, but she lives in upstate New York in Woodstock. So I got to visit Woodstock. I got to visit... The firehouse where democracy now was made. I used to, I used to know oh, Amy Goodman <laughs> back in the day when I was 23. And I didn't even know who all these characters were and how important they were to like the world regarding news and progressive news. And um, that's where my progressive um, journey started. And then lately, of course, I voted for Karen Bass. <laughs> so in LA. Oh yeah, definitely. Know. I, I, uh, See, seeing all of the senior path and progressiveness or activism has been pretty awesome. Like I said, it helps with the flavor of the waffles. I, I, I have a more appreciation for the waffles now. I know that the person who I'm buying them from is pretty awesome. <laughs> my, I'm not going to say that my sisters are this progressive. I'm like the most radical in my family. To be Mexican and to be radical is like, ooh. <laughs> Very um, controversial. I know I, I had a, uh, a co-worker. I don't want to say friend. Friend is too strong. We ha I had a co-worker that I hung out with during breaks. As long as we stuck with what talking about nerdy stuff, we're fine. But the moment he started bringing up anything political, he was very problematic. And he, <laughs> when I told him I'm a feminist, he sent me a YouTube video of this, uh, of this feminist YouTuber that was just, she was just very dumb. And he's yeah. like, so what do you think about this? I'm like, all right, whatever. And he's like, well, don't you think that that's uh, the voice of feminists? I'm like, no, that's one person. That's yeah. Every group, every group has their dummies. It's <laughs> I'm that not gonna I'm not gonna stop believing in rights just because one person says something dumb. Yeah. And what do you say? Uh, I don't remember because a lot of times I try to avoid his replies, and <laughs> even. He even messaged me out of nowhere after he quit, and I oh. he he messaged me something, and I told him, "Dude, 
you're no longer protected by human the human resources. I'm gonna be yeah. mean because <laughs> you're just Ooh, he was, facts. He was obnoxious with yeah. his policy. It sometimes it veers into mental illness and that's just really sad. You know, misogyny can also sort of create like a bifurcation in your brain and just be like, you're going to spit out mental diarrhea. It's terrible. But, speaking um, of uh, who is your favorite dick? Favorite dick? Oh, right now it's Jason Momoa. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. I actually put a capitalized D on the dick just so uh, the per- people named Dick. <laughs> oh, people named Dick? Well, ironically, <laughs> I should promote my friend. I, I, my favorite dick is this guy named Richard that flies planes and he's elderly and we were both Elks Lodge members. However, I don't even know if he's still alive. Like When I met him, he was like 79,000. Um but he was a wonderful pilot and he flew me from, from Calexico to Redding, California for an Elks Lodge competition. And I was his co-pilot and it was kind of like magical to be in a Cessna as a co-pilot. It was amazing. That was kind of the best, one of the best experiences of my life. And then after that, ironically, another flight experience, I had another boss named Richard Grissom who was a little crazy with drink and drive, which I don't approve of. And would always sexually harass me, but he was nice. And I only told my boss <laughs> on him. Like, I didn't want to get him fired. Um, but Richard Grissom in Hawaii, he was um, my my boss at a TV station. And he, for my birthday, he grabbed a helicopter and the company budget to fly me over to um, the transmitter, which is at the top of a Waikiki hill. So we got to see Waikiki via helicopter. So I was like, uh, you know, those are my favorite things flying. I think everybody's dream is to fly, isn't it? <laughs> well, I don't know. Cause like, uh, I mean, sure, sure. No, you're right. You're right. Because like. Anytime... Flying with the dick waffle. Ooh. <laughs> what's that called? Uh, what's that? What's it? What's the term for having sex in, in the air? Oh. Club? The mile high club? No. no. Yeah. 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 The mile high club. <laughs> yeah. Just a mile high club for your penises? I dig it. Um, that's a good one. Like, if I put a penis in a plane to deliver to Dubai, that'd be awesome. I'll call it the mile high. Mile high package. I just feel like uh, when it comes, like, I think that's really amazing that the person flew you to the Elks Lodge meeting, but I get really motion sick when it's on the smaller planes. Oh. I have on a helicopter, so I don't know if that's the same thing, but... Just the whole tilting back and forth whenever you're turning the small plane, I get easily motion sick. Oh, uh, so you know you have to like to avoid motion sickness. You have to stare at the horizon. Uh, I'm not gonna do that because uh, the horizon keeps going up and down. But but literally, your brain will balance with the horizon. So then, if you just stare at the horizon, which most people put their head down when they're in boats. You shouldn't do that. You have to stare at the horizon to get your grip together. Like your, your brain reads that like, like a, like a meter. But you if you're I mean? staring at the horizon, the horizon keeps on moving. Wouldn't that make you more sick? No, ironically, it doesn't. It cures. Um, I'll keep that. I will. I will keep that in mind. I will test it. We'll and it's funny, yeah, you're the first person to tell me, like, I don't want to, but that makes a lot of sense why you're getting sick, because you're not looking at it. I I will put it to the test, but when I get <laughs> sick, 
if I get sick, I'm going to blame you. They'll, it'll be like, I'll be, well, I'll be you'll still up. get sick if you close your eyes and don't look at it. And, and you have to just focus on like, just, you have to convince yourself that it's going to work and then you just stare. But if, if you have doubts and you're, you're just going to be like, Bruh. like I went to Catalina the other day, like month and, um, I was getting a little motion sickness and I have gotten a little motion sickness before in other boats that are crazy because it was like really going fast. It was like psh, was splashing every like 30 seconds. Of, psh, 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 psh. It was splashing into the ocean. So that movement was just like, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, I stared at the horizon. I told everybody to stare at the horizon and everybody felt better. Like I just, I just said it out loud as guys, if you're feeling sick, stare at the horizon. And then, like I had no people puking <laughs> into my boat. Cause I didn't want to have people puking. So I was saying it loud. I've, I've been on that ride to Catalina and yes, it did make me motion sick. Uh, so yeah. I will try the next time, next time, whenever it happens, uh, that I go on a boat or a plane, I'll try to stare at the horizon, see if that. Yeah. Fixes it. It, it doesn't work in the dark of Catalina. You have to wait till the sunrise to, <laughs> which sometimes is all the way till you get there. Right. So, if it's broad daylight, you're fine. But. Has anyone ever asked for a non-circumcised waffle? Yes. <laughs> I, I was wondering <laughs> if that would actually happen. <laughs> um, well, you know, I there's some guys, especially black guys, that don't want to eat the waffle. So I'll be like, I'll circumcise it for you and chop it up. And they're like, eh. You know, so I, I've learned to not say anything about that because it, it'll gross them out. So, But on the down low, I'll tell my homegirl, I'll be like, that's a circumcised waffle. And they'll just laugh. You know, but I have to chop it up like a little baby because they don't want the figure, the phallus figure. They can't eat the waffle if it looks like a penis. It's so crazy. They're so cisgender. It's crazy. That's a, that's a huge bummer because, like, I felt like uh, mm -hmm. having having the actual shape and when you put the toppings on there, licking off the toppings <laughs> is a whole is part of the fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hoot. It's like going to Hooters except penises. <laughs> what's been one of the most uh, popular toppings on the waffle that you put on there um the one that i realize is the po most popular is i call it the works but it's basically um slices of strawberries slices of bananas and chocolate syrup and strawberry syrup that's the most popular that people really like and then they don't complain when they don't really know what to order i'll just say you want the works and they're like okay and then oh maybe some whipped cream if they want to um and then when I'm putting the whipped cream on, I say, would you like it all over or just the tip? I love that. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone ever ask for like the whole full money shot? Just <laughs> whipped cream. Oh, yeah. They're like, all over, honey. All over, baby. And then the <laughs> one girl, she's like, put it on my tits. I'm like, okay, calm down, girl. <laughs> Let's get messy. Let's do this. <laughs> The funniest things that I ever heard was um, this gay guy. He goes, leave it to a woman to give me the best dick of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, these lesbians were having it and they did this whole, like, you saw them kissing each other and like having this lesbian experience in my Instagram. And um, they said, um, what did they say? They said, that's the only dick I'll allow in my body <laughs> or something like that you know allow in my life or they'll be like this is the last dick i'll ever have <laughs> they're just so funny lesbians they're like 
oh, first dick I've ever had in my mouth. And they're just like laughing, you know. I don't understand the whole the last dick one because you might come back with a waffle with another waffle, and they're not gonna they're not they're gonna say no because they already had their last. True, true. Well, I think it was it was like they were going to bed or something. They're like last last thing I'm doing tonight is having this dick before bed or something like that. That was funny too. <laughs> I just feel like uh, I feel like <laughs> it, it'll be really hard to uh, to have anything better than the waffle dick. I feel like any genitals in waffle form is the best. <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I'm a little biased because I just really fucking love waffles. <laughs> I love waffles too. I don't care what they look like. I bought a, um, a Mickey Mouse waffle, but I don't want to like sell it because I don't want to get sued by Disney, you know. But the, the um, has ears everywhere. But I do have one, and so I feel like I'm gonna take it to like Funky Sticks, where I like. There's a lot of black people there, black guys. They're my friends. They're comedians, and so instead of chopping it up, I'm like, I'm gonna be like, you're gonna have the Disney Mickey Mouse one because you're a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle waffle dick. Here's can't the, here's handle the Mickey Mouse. Dick. <laughs> Leave it to us Mexican girls. Just kidding. <laughs> Latine. I feel like, are, are you, are, do you, would you happen to have, because like, would there be any way to make a micro penis? A micro penis waffle? Just for like uh, a little waffle bite? I'm trying to think. Um, there is like this little, um, I guess like a, like a, um, a cookie cutter that you could buy to make it micro. And you just <laughs> cut the regular. <laughs> And then they're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, micro penis is a, such a sad story. Like, <laughs> They're the worst. And yet the people that own them are the best. They're so sweet, so hopeful. They think you're really going to love them, even though they have it. It's really sad. I'm just saying that if there's uh, donut holes, if donut holes are successful, I think that a micro penis waffle could be a thing. Like having a bunch of them in like a, a box. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so the clitoris one, everybody's asking me for that, especially guys that are hetero. I want to get it for them, but I don't they won't be able like to find one it. One that they're selling in China. So I feel like I'm going to have to get it and like get somebody to weld a new mold for me because I really don't like the one that's coming from China. It's just too. There's so there's this one that I just started researching on Amazon and it's one where you can take off the metal plates. So I'm going to take those metal plates over to some dude that does like machining and I'm going to be like, dude, can you make me this? But I'm going to give you the mold and I'm going to create the mold. I know how to do clay. I'm going to create my own custom vagina waffle and then made with my bare hands and then just have the, the melt, you know, the because I studied engineering, so I know how to do this. <laughs> You know, would there be like a extra, done. Would there be an extra level of pride knowing that you made that mold? Yes, that is <laughs> it's gonna be prettier than what they have right now because it's gonna look more like a regular vulva. It's not gonna look like the clitoris lips. Like, I don't think I could feel comfortable selling the lips, the clitoris lips around children. Like, that's just too much, right? To show. But I wouldn't mind showing the regular JJ like, um, 
you know, because I had this one friend of mine where we went to her house to sell penis waffles. It was like a pop up. And I went there and her daughter, who I know since she's eight years old, came up to me and she wanted one. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, where's your mother? Where's your mother? You know, I, I, did she let you come and ask me for one? And then she's like, yeah, she said it's cool. And she goes, oh, is this how big they are? And I was like, oh, like, I didn't know what to say. Like, I don't have any kids, but I just said, um, oh, no, Miha, that's not how they all look. This is just, it's extra bigger because it's, you know, for the penis walk. But girl, yes, they are that big. I just couldn't say that because, you know, she's 15. She's a beautiful child. And I know since she's a baby and like. I got to know how I forgot that she was in this party. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like a question like that would be the same. Like if, 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 uh, one of my, if my nephew or niece asked me about religion, I'd be like, I don't know. Uh, ask your parents. I don't know what I'm supposed to, I don't know what I'm allowed to say to around you. <laughs> but I didn't want to make a big deal of it also because then it's going to give her like, what? Like, should I, is, you know, like what's so wrong? Like, I didn't want to make it like super, um, a big deal, you know, like it was a big deal and I haven't even talked to her mom about it. Like, but, um, I don't think she cares. The mom doesn't care. You know, she's 15 or whatever. She's not that young, but, um, she's in high school. So, you know, high school kids, they're, they're exposed to those courses. <laughs> it's, it's very strange when, uh, high school kids ask me to draw stuff where I'm just like, I'm not going to draw that for you. You're too young. <laughs> Even even if I think even I even if I think that it's something that you probably have already seen on a movie or a TV, I don't care. I don't want to do that for you. It's not going to happen. I don't want to get people because of you. <laughs> when I was a little girl, I was a, a gifted drawer, and I would draw characters all the time. And my mom used to; she was a very good drawer too. So she would teach us how to draw little characters like Barbies. And because the Barbie had a little line in the vajayjay, I would add it to my drawings and then um nipples and everything just like little dots and stuff and then um later I read you know an article that said that if kids pay that much attention to detail on uh to anatomy when they're little it's it's perfectly normal and decent like you don't it's just they know that they have those things that's all they're just acknowledging their their parts or their body parts well, they I don't think, think they're not sexual yet you know I think it's the puritanical uh, U.S. that makes uh, makes anything sexual or makes anything. It's not even sexual. It's just your body, and society has made that so taboo. But it's like, no, it's just nature. Calm down. For real, I can't stand puritanical people, honestly, because first of all, all the white people that came here were like the scum of Europe. They were like freaking the criminals. They had felonies. They sent all the worst people here. <laughs> <laughs> not, so not they, to, they'd send them to Australia too. Remember the bandits and all that? Yeah, not to coin a phrase of saying the worst. <laughs> I mean, not to really go sounding like Trump or anything. Yeah. But <laughs> um, I mean, but it's like, you know, they did bad things. And then over the years, they tried to hide what they did in Europe or the mainland or whatever you call it. Um, 
the mother country or whatever. So then here they became very puritanical and stuff like that. And then the pilgrims, it was like, girl, the pilgrims killed the indigenous and they were killing them till the seventies, eighties in those Indian schools that we now are finding out all the atrocities that people did in the name of God. So it's like, girl, bye. Don't give me any of the bullshit about puritanical crap. Like this country has never been puritanical except for just acting puritanical. They're not really following the letter of the law of God. Like they're not like the biggest thing to say, I think I was actually thinking about this earlier. Like, the biggest ask I think that God ever asked us was not love thy neighbor. It was love thy enemy because anybody can love thy neighbor. You know, you can love your stranger neighbor. Like your, I had a, we had a Karen in, in, in um, San Bernardino and she hated Mexicans. She would make us, let us know. She would scream for her garden and I would go, she would, she was crazy and she lived alone and she would go to her van at night and just smoke in her van, probably weed. And I didn't know I was really young. I was 15. So I would go and talk to her and I can't remember what her name was, but let's just call her Karen. And I would say, Hey, good evening. How's it going? And then I would see her on the way to work. Cause I had to pass by her house. And by the time we left there, 10 years later, she no longer hated Mexicans. She knew that we were like a good family full of young girls. Like my mom had a lot of daughters and stuff. And because I had to be the beggar person and, and love thy neighbor and love thy enemy. <laughs> you know, so sometimes you have to um, meet them where they're at, you know. And then she liked having conversations with me. And then she wouldn't let me go. Like, I was, she was just talking like a storm at the end when she knew I understood perfect English. And I was like, okay, Karen, gotta go. Love you. Good night. I just got home from work. Like, you know, so then sometimes I would avoid her because I didn't want to talk to her for a whole hour afterward. But. <laughs> some of these old people they just need conversation you know and and i feel like people that are not fertile anymore and they're making decisions about abortions they should not be able to like if you can't have children you should not be able to make opinions about abortions <laughs> I, I well that's my opinion but <laughs> I, I am very uh i think it's very admirable when anyone actually takes to heart, love thy, uh, what you said, love thy enemy. Yeah. Because I, I definitely oftentimes do not have that kind of strength. Oftentimes I am very snarky and mean to mean people, but I feel like that's, that doesn't win anyone over. I feel yeah. like what you did as far as, uh, lending an ear to someone who just wants to be heard can mm -hmm. easily way better i mean not easily i don't want to say easily because it's not going to have that's not going to work out every time yeah. but it, i think you have a better chance of winning them over if you do try to be the sympathetic and empathetic ear that they often need yeah yeah and then later she would ask for me she would talk to my mom eventually like after like eight years and then she was like, when's Zoma coming home? Where is Zoma? What is Zoma doing? Like she was like, she was very encouraging. And then I think when I went off to college, I think she gave me like, she came to the party and everything. Like she was, she was very sad that I was leaving San Bernardino for San Diego. <laughs> but I was 23 by then. I needed to get the hell out. <laughs> I just know, uh, when one time on Twitter, some, uh, some guy asked like, like why, why, why do we even need a women's march? And 
I told him, I was like, I, because I, I always think that the, I always have the rule of three is just give people three points to listen to because a lot of times people right. only have the attention span to do three, to, to memorize or hear about three things. And the guy told me, he's like, thank you. You know, every time I ask a woman why the youth, why there's the Women's March, um, they always send me links to articles. And I told him, I was like, uh, well, they have more confidence. They're, they have more confidence in your ability to read than I do. Yeah, and I feel like that could have been me. That, that, that's definitely mean. I'm just, I'm being mean to this guy because I feel like he only <laughs> he only listened to me just because I was a man, because I am a man. So he wasn't giving these women a chance to actually tell the. the I think the article was more thorough than the, I, than my answer was ever going to be. Yeah, but some people don't want to read even if you put a whole magazine in front of them. <laughs> it's like you can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. So that's why I like comedy, you know, like I felt like I did academia my whole life and uh, I tried to convince people as an academic and that doesn't work. I really feel like if you want to truly evangelize, if you want to change the world, you've got to come up with some jokes because jokes is the only thing that can make you feel uncomfortable. If you can get a laughter, even if it's an uncomfortable laughter, you're helping change that person's mind about whatever so like you know that's why we love Dave Chappelle and all them because it helps relieve our stresses of prejudice against black people you know we're like we love Dave Chappelle but we still clutch our purses you know <laughs> we see a black person because we're all racist if we're white presenting you know and and not necessarily like because you want to be racist but I feel like you know, you sometimes do it for, you know, like I, I drive Lyft. And so I lock the doors anytime I see anybody, even Mexicans that look like gang members out in the street. Oh, walk. no, no, come on. No, I have to. And you know what? Let me tell you this. That little prejudice habit has saved my life. I've done Lyft and Uber for six years. And it, I've been approached for a carjack at least six times. I... But I always made sure to lock my doors around hobos anybody in the street at three in the morning and i'm, I'm stuck at a red light boom i lock the doors but so I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that that could be considered race well it could be but i think that i think that that's a good safe uh thing to do when yeah. you're a, a woman out there at exactly. three in the morning i have um, to just because I've seen, uh, I, I, I was in a car with one of my friends and we were at a gas station and this random guy approached her to talk. And I've only heard stories about that. That was the first time I actually witnessed it for myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know necessarily. I, I don't. Oh, all the time to us. We get sexually harassed every single day of our lives, sometimes multiple times a day. So, so I don't know. I don't necessarily think that the race should come into play as far as locking the door. I think that that's just a good thing to do whenever any yeah. man yeah. is around at 3 a.m. Sometimes the white people, you can't even tell. They're all filthy, you know. <laughs> is that a white man? I don't know. He's filthy. Like It's actually really sad out here in L.A. Like The homeless are crazy. Looks like The Walking Dead. But anyway, I have to go, my love. I'm so tired, and I have my dinner waiting. I'm sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Before before you get going, though, I would like to know what what words of wisdom do you have for anyone who is interested in 
um, making something as strange as penis waffles and selling it? <laughs> I would say make them with love. You know, everybody, if you're feeding someone, it's, it's a, ser it's a service. You, you, you serve it to someone. They're going to put it in their mouth. So the most considerate and loving thing you can do is make sure that everything is impeccable. Like your spoons, like wash everything with love, keep everything clean, separate the gluten-free from the, you know, just whatever they ask for. If they are allergic to bananas, don't give them bananas. Like everything has to be impeccable to the order. You have to do everything with love. Every single penis has to be done with love <laughs> or else people are not going to enjoy it. And then your reputation is going to go down. And then nobody will ever buy a penis waffle from you again. <laughs> and you're going to starve. <laughs> so, yeah, treat people with love. And love will come back to you in money. They can tell that you're doing your best to offer them a high-quality product. And it's kind of like slow food because it takes a little bit of time, you know. But um, as long as you do everything with love and care, uh doesn't matter what the person is tall fat short skinny straight doesn't matter i'll feed you that penis waffle i'll put it in your mouth i'm kidding <laughs> but um yeah you know everything has nothing can be forced if a person doesn't want to eat it or buy it you just respect that you know it's like you don't you don't make any opinions about it you don't make any laughter you don't make fun of them for not wanting the penis waffle you just kind of go okay cool no problem maybe next time and that's it they're they'll They'll like F me off. They're like, fuck that bitch. Rah! They'll leave, you know, but you never know they could sit down at a table with somebody, like you said, buying them. And then you just take a little bite and you're like, you know what? I'm starving. And that's why it's so successful because they don't sell food there. Right. So, so sometimes a little penis waffle is delicious at night with your beer. It's just so fun and exciting at Iron Bark Cider Works. <laughs> I highly recommend everybody check it out. It's in Ontario. We're going to be there on the 19th. See you on the 19th, baby. <laughs>